0: Hello and welcome to episode three hundred and eighty. I got the number right of the wait since last Saturday podcast. I am Will Leach. Uh, we have not talked to you since February tenth, since Tony talked to Senator uh, talked about the late great Senator Blutarsky. Uh, we then did our feelings episode back in January. We're going to do a pre-tournament episode. So if you've been missing us, I know you have. We will be back. For that, um, this week, however, uh, it's just me and Tony. We are talking to Jason Kirk. Jason Kirk is one of the hosts of the Great Shut Down Full Cast podcast, and he's also written a book called "Hell Is a World About." Uh, excuse me, "Hell Is a World Without You." It takes place in the world uh, in the uh, early aughts world of evangelical Christianity, of which Jason grew up in. And talk, uh, and we share stories about DC Talk. I don't know if uh, the average WSLS podcast listener knows this, but when I was in middle school, in the beginning of high school, I wanted to be a youth minister. I was actually very obsessed, I was very devout, and I wanted to be a youth minister. And I actually went to see DC Talk. Some of you have to be around the age of DC Talk. As I talk, when I talk to Jason, excuse me, I uh, mentioned that I am old enough to remember when DC Talk was just a rap group. Later, they would become like a grunge group, and they become like a pop group. But um, I have seen DC Talk in concert five times. Michael W. Smith, my place in this world, my place in this world. I have seen uh, Michael W. Smith in concert, Amy Grant, very much so. And so Jason uh, has written a very uh, funny, very kind of uh, sincere emotional book about that time period it's a novel and it's good and he's uh, of course he, we also of course talk some football because he's the co-host of the shutdown forecast podcast so tony came over on tuesday afternoon uh so we could talk to jason so uh that's coming up in a moment uh i also wanted to um uh certainly uh, for those of you that are in athens or the surrounding area or anyone with really any community any connection to the university it's obviously um or the area it's been a, a tragic week Uh, in Athens with the uh, death, the murder of uh, Lake and Riley, the junior nursing student. Uh, I I think she was part of the Augusta campus, uh, connected campus uh, to Georgia, but she's a member of Georgia sororities. She had just transferred from Georgia there. She lived in Athens. She was very involved in the running community. Um, A truly, truly tragic, awful, awful, awful experience um, for anyone connected at all to uh, the Georgia Community or really connected to the human community. So, um, I just kind of, uh, everyone's kind of dealing with that uh, in the best they can during a very difficult time. So, um, um, our prayers are with that family and uh, all of her friends that knew her. So, anyway, uh wanted to kind of uh, touch on that. We will be back in um, probably about two weeks. We're going to try to do a pre assembly tournament show. Uh, don't worry, Georgia will not be in the NCAA tournament, and men's or women's basketball, but nevertheless, we're going to do it anyway. We'll have a pool as we always do. And we're going to get together because I admit, uh, there's all sorts of crazy baseball scheduling stuff, as you might suspect. So uh, we're having a hard time figuring out the time, but we will do it before the tournament. But for now, here is uh, Jason Kirk, author of Hell is a World Without You, talking to me and Tony Waller in my dining room.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Tony Waller. You are listening to episode 380 of the Wait and See Last Saturday podcast. Today, Will Leach and I will say hello.
0: Hello. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes, I'm here.
1: Uh, will Leach and I have the great honor and pleasure of having a conversation with Jason Kirk. Uh, if you listen to us, surely you listen to uh, the Shutdown Fullcast, or have followed any number of Jason's social media exploits. Jason also is an acclaimed and successful author of a brand new novel called Hell is a World Without You. Had a fantastic uh, launch party last week in Atlanta. Uh, donated over $50,000 to the Trevor Project.
0: Uh, saw they, quite a few WSLS listeners, by the way. Quite a few of you out there. I saw you. I saw you. Awesome. Jason, welcome to Waiting Since Last Saturday. Hey, thanks for
2: having me. And uh, thank you as well to uh, to Will for being one of our um dramatic actors on stage who did an incredible job of pretending to be a uh, an obnoxious fourteen year old we had uh we had we had we had six people playing uh identical young men named Caleb and they all of you were incredible. like every time I watch it back it's it's even funnier than the last time
1: you know the funny thing is um which is we'll right I, and I shared some of this with you. if you grew up in a certain part of certain parts of the country and attended certain churches, the scene with the Caleb's is one hundred percent relatable. for a number of reasons, not not the least of which, of course, is set in a Pizza Hut. Um, and um, I, when when Will, I found out Will was doing a dramatic reading. I was so excited because I was hopeful it was this chapter, <laughs> um, just because I, there is everything about that chapter is utterly relatable, regardless of whether you attended a certain kind of church, because any sort of organized. Sort of organized organization. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not. I, I didn't go to Kansas State or Illinois, um, so you end up really capturing. I don't like the word zeitgeist. But you really captured what that conversation would be like on um, without plowing new ground about how much
0: of this is autobiographical. I mean, how much of that conversation was autobiographical? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that he's asking me this question—it's completely autobiographical. My performance—it was—I
2: I, I wrote it about Will. Yes,
0: I, and <laughs> welcome for that. <them.
2: laughs> yeah, that particular conversation was really fun to write because um, I—it was, was going to be a scene in which this group of young church boys—they've been assigned this awful book to read, um, which is a totally real book: "Every Young Man's Battle." It's this like. Um, bizarre purity culture book about how to like, how to steer a young person's brain away from ever thinking about sex before marriage, which, yeah, right. And the thing about the book is it's completely loaded with like erotic imagery. It's so horny. It's the horniest book ever written. Like the author is bragging about, like I used to beat it to this and that and this and that, but I don't anymore. And it's, and and I just, reading it as an adult, I'm like, my good Lord, this, Any any actual young man reading this book is gonna have to take a break every three pages um but i i just sat down with it and i just wrote notes as i went through and then i put quote marks around those notes and it might be the chapter with the fewest um edits because like so many of the things my beautiful caleb's blurted on stage were just notes i wrote down while um reading that real book um but you know there were there were edits and revisions, but a lot of that stuff just it was like ah I mean what more can you say than uh, this is the horniest book ever written
0: for for the unfortunate souls who uh, unlike Tony and I have not had the pleasure to have read this yet um uh but but know your work for for shutdown forecast I don't know if they to with that heard about it uh, at this point but I I I don't want to I don't want to get like a a whole rundown of the thing for you but I'm uh, from you but I'm curious. Um, With my last book, I discovered that uh, uh, the books do better when you can describe it uh, in in an elevator. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, what I'm curious about is when you put this together, because there's a lot of stuff going on in this, including, I think, particularly the time period that it takes place, I think is particularly uh, relevant, I think, to now, uh, if I'm being honest, uh, and kind of the the outgrowth of that. But I'm curious, when you you came up with the concept for this, and feel free to describe the concept as much as you like— did you start with that and then run or did you just kind of feel your way through it as you were going? Probably
2: a little bit of both. Like it started with, um, you know, stories I was, I've told my wife, told my friends when my co-hosts and they sort of react in, in horror. Um, and I started of realize like, wait, this thing that is very familiar to me and people I grew up with is very unfamiliar to people who didn't. And like, you get this instant look of recognition when you say it around certain people and this look of, um, befuddlement around others. So like, as I started putting this together, this like juxtaposition of like me and my oddball friends, um, you know, doing completely average teenager stuff while also learning these deeply insane things. I started to get the sense that like this story is very off, rarely told from this perspective um, of like, yeah, I was there. I saw how weird it was. And I'm gonna tell you how weird it was. Like, most stories about this world are propaganda for this world. Um, Like trying to lure young people into this world. Um, So like the elevator pitch that I sort of worked my way toward. And I think it was like, you know, it was in my mind as the thing I, the goal, I guess, but it took a while to get where I've, to get to where I felt like I'd I'd done it was, is essentially like, do you want to know what it's really like to grow up evangelical? Um, I think that's the gist of it really. Well,
1: I mean, the, funny part about it to me having grown up absolutely evangelical um is that if you are willing to take it and i'm granting there's uh this is a pretty wide chasm for some people that are evangelical to take if you're willing not to take yourself quite so seriously there's a fantastic message about um about a lot of things in there but i really love the way and I don't give away spoilers because I want people to buy your book and read it, but the way you framed and ended the book and kind of your thesis statement uh at the end of the live program last week. I mean, I I told Will I was riding a I was riding the train between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara last week, listening to the live show. It, when you when you closed out the show, it was, it was, I mean. Well, I've been attending Catholic Church for a long time. It was the most um it was the closest I came to giving an, an amen in a long time too. Um could you just kind of describe that a little bit, but not, not necessarily a the theological standpoint, just kind of how you arrived at that.
2: So yeah, it was fun to end the live show with like, yeah, I'm just gonna spoil the last three lines of the book. That sounds fun. <laughs> um, which like I'm also gonna explain the title of the book. You know what I mean? With this little formulation of like, if hell is a world without God, which is a thing a lot of us have heard in various churches and you know even in pop culture like there's a really good short story collection called Hell is the Absence of God by Ted Chang. Um like it's it's a thing people have, people have mentioned for a variety of reasons. Um so that's sort of the starting point. But also there's this theme in the book and in a lot of theology I'm into that like, okay, well we humans, conscious life, parts of the universe, we are also participating in the growth and the evolution of the universe. Not in the same way God is, but um, the Bible and other religious traditions tell us that, like, we have sparks of divinity in us. The Bible uses the term breath of the Spirit. So if hell is um, a world without God and if we are the breath of the Spirit, then hell is a world without us. Um, And, like, for the characters in the book, that's, like, a massive revelation because they've been told that hell is the world that they were created for. And there is this institution that is generously going to extricate them from it for a cost. And the cost is, you know, every waking minute of their entire lives. Um, so it's sort of that. And it's also just a combination of a few different, um, like linguistic things that kept emerging, like, uh, the Tolkien quote, uh, at the very end of near the end of Lord of the Rings, um frodo and sam frodo says i'm glad to be with you sam here at the end of all things so that that with you kept emerging um there's a quote from the horror movie event horizon that gets mentioned a lot in this book where hell is only a word and if you take that literally which like sort of happens at one point in the book we go from like hell is only a word you know you can't imagine how terrible the concept is to no literally hell is only a word um so like that hell is um there's this Christian rock band called me without you. Who's probably more accurately described as an Abrahamic rock band. Like they sing about doubt and uh, they sing in uh, Hebrew um, and they got in trouble with among Christians for singing in Arabic, but their name me without you. So sort of all those things combined into, uh, into the, into finding a reason for that to appear in the book, I guess.
0: Um, We haven't really talked about this Jason, but I grew up um, wanting to be a youth minister. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in a church called Broadway Christian Church in Manton, Illinois. I have to give away my age, I have seen DC talk in concert seven times. Wow, like, all before they all when they were a rap group. Okay, wow, damn, you're you're more evangelical yeah. than I am. Yeah. Spinning around, <laughs> uh, spinning around was my era of DC talk. I had already gotten away from the church when I was like, Wait, they're like a rock band now, and then they came back <laughs> around and. It, I kind of lost it, but I was telling my mom. This my mom is Catholic. I am uh, not uh, uh, particularly religious now. Um, for uh, when I found myself, uh, uh, because I'm, I was roughly around the age some of the characters are when I when I left the church. Um, I found myself seeing some of the things that made me start to die. You talk about hell. Uh, you talked at the event. you also talked about the idea of how uh of, you know, your main character you know your character's father's died and like where he is and it's uh, kind of a major influence in the book but I, fi- I was talking to my mom about this about i just finished reading uh tim alberta's book uh uh the the, the, the journalist is basically about evangelicalism and politics and how mm-hmm. man- how it basically changed uh the entire structure and i'm curious i i find myself I was talking to my mom about how thinking about what the church was then, and how I was young enough to, to find even things that I found strange. I'm like, well, these are good people, these are my friends. They're not gonna lead me in like a bad place to seeing where evangelicalism is in a lot of ways now, and how a lot of it has become um less about God, or certainly less <laughs> about Jesus, I would say. Less about Jesus is probably a more accurate statement and, and, and his teachings. I'm curious. Having gone to gone that, having written about, read, written about in the book, when you look at now and you look at um, uh, the growth of the church and its influence in politics and an influence in the world around, do you look back and see some of the seeds of that in now? And, and, uh, and do you still talk to some of the people that maybe did not get out of the church and are still maybe uh, deeply involved in that?
2: yeah i definitely see threads that led to where we are now like in a lot of senses it's just like codified and i think at the live show ryan um either ryan or holly used the word calcified which i think is a really good word for it like it's just the divisions were always there and now they are stark um and i look at like 20 to 30 years ago when you had like pat robertson saying like Christians should take care of the environment and like 10 years ago you had like pat robertson saying like you know, if a trans person has affirming surgery, that's no big deal. He didn't use those exact terms, but like Pat Pat Robertson said, yeah, some people are uh, are are you know have have uh, different gender identities than their body might suggest, and that's okay. Um, and like you don't you don't hear that stuff anymore at all within within white evangelicalism. Um, like it used to be, it, like these 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 big superstars in that world might have their one like you know. Uh, pet heresy i guess their one little break from the conservative orthodoxy that's gone so like the idea of growing up in that world now is i mean it's it's kind of harrowing because there you know there there's so much more focus on i mean there's there's always been an obsession with like sex and gender and orientation um and now it's like that's half their religion now um So, like that part is terrifying. The hope I see is that as ex-evangelicals get louder and louder, um, I don't know if we'll ever match the volume level of uh, of evangelicals themselves because they're the loudest people on earth, like per capita. Um, But the more that people who left can speak out, the more people who are stuck in the world can realize, like, oh, I have a landing place if I leave. Um, As far as like staying in touch it's i mean i have family members and they all know where i stand and we have uh it was it was a process of like okay who's still on board with like me as a person you know like the 2016 election it was just like i have so many cousins i have not spoken to since the 2016 election it's just like yeah we we all know why you know like it's sort of just we've just agreed that's that's where we part ways um and I have, um, and like my immediate family, you know, I talk to and it's, it's, you know, there's, there's subjects where, uh, yeah, we all know where we stand and, uh, yeah. And, um, and then I had the most interesting ones to me are my church friends I grew up with who they're, they're like, there's no one in the book who's like based on a specific friend of mine or whatever. Like all my characters feel like, you know, they feel like brand new people in a way certainly all those like memories and settings and events and like all that stuff would be familiar for so many of my like, you know, casual check-in once a year, Instagram friends. Um, and those are the ones that I I just really, really want to message them. Like, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this, this, this thing I'm posting that you see that, you know, I know you would know all of the words in it. I, I, you're at half these scenes, you know? Um, (laughs) and there's lots of them where it's like, okay. Um, I know that their political views, that they've grown up and they've learned to, um, you know, they've moved past the things we're indoctrinated in. And there's some that I'm just really, really, really curious about. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe I'll post so much that will annoy them into uh, telling me where exactly where they stand, I guess. <laughs>
0: How has it, you know, what I, I have, uh, so I am not particularly interested, but I have many friends who are, and I love to talk about this specifically that switch from the church and belief into the ongoing culture war, uh, and the idea of like, I have friends who, who are, I, like, I have friends who have different political beliefs than me, but it's fine. And I have people in, in a way that like, that are, that are connected to the church in a way that I'm not, but it's like. Like my, my grandfather was not a religious man, but he went fishing with the preacher every Saturday and it was fine. And now it feels like that's something that could not happen. Do you think there's a path back? Like Alberta's book kind of talks about the, the long road to this and where it kind of started and Jerry Falwell and Liberty University and how, how, how much of that really kind of Jimmy Carter and how that all kind of evolved into where it is now. He talked recently, someone asked him, I think this question, can the fever break at some point? Do you think the fever can break and this can come back to being about the reason this was all supposed to be in the first place, which is Jesus and His teachings? Or do you, or in in, in America anyway, do you think that's something that's uh, that that that's gone too far?
2: I think there are particular theologies that you cannot hold, and also like um, respect and regard people who disagree with you, and it's not limited to evangelicalism. Like I, I say. I don't know if I say it too often, but ultimately all of its bad ideas were originally or or not even originally Catholic ideas, but like um, I think there are certain things that you can tell yourself and, and or be taught about the way the universe works that just do not align with getting along with uh, people in normal settings. Um, And I think, when I look back, like you know, twenty five years ago, if I think about, like, okay, this dude, you know, this dude voted this way and like went to all these church events, but at the same time was cool with um, getting along with this person or that person, it's like, okay, that was also a break from that orthodoxy. Like that wasn't fit into that political theology. That was a um, essentially a blasphemy. Like going against like everything. Like that was a a break. Um, and now it feels like. The lines are so sharply drawn that any break is a massive break, you know, like if you're an evangelical pastor and you say, uh, we, I mean, literally there are huge examples of this. Rick Warren was the like ranking Southern Baptist superstar, Orange County, they're, they're, I think their biggest remaining church outside of Dallas in Orange County. And he's you know written like gigantic, massive books, has a huge church. And he decides, uh, okay, well, we're going to appoint women pastors. That's it southern baptist convention kicked out like their ranking superstar over this you know, over like he's women are it, like women preach the resurrection i think they're capable of uh, of preaching at you know some church in orange county um but like there's been a ongoing just to use southern baptist as one example there's just been an ongoing 30-year purge starting around 1990 of anything that smacks of like it's 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 crazy to watch Southern Baptist debate amongst themselves. They swear that there is they use the term liberal drift within the Southern Baptist Convention. And it's like, y'all are crazy. You get more conservative all the time. Um but yeah, I, I think it is to a point where it can't fix it can't fix itself. and it can't be fixed. And it's not about like this group of people that's bad. It's just this theology and this political I- ideology just demands such complete and total. Um, buy in that any step outside the fold, and you are totally outside the fold.
1: Yeah, I mean, thinking about that, <clears throat> that raises a question. I have you. You're just incredibly knowledgeable of not just theology, but the history of theology, the origins of theology, and how certain parts came about. Uh, the certain things that we we meaning, uh, or uh, meaning people are taught, uh, about the, the end times and about various things like that. Um, I am curious, is that it, 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 it part of this, I, 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 I guess the question I have is, is that part of, is that part of preparation for vacation Bible school, the fantastic <laughs> podcast with you do with your wife? Or is that part of a personal, I hate the word journey, but like something like, there's more here. I need to understand what I believe, and I can't believe I can't
2: understand that until I know it's probably a little bit of everything. Like, there, I mean, there, there are definitely things that I've learned in the course of prepping for a podcast where it's like, oh, this is really good. Maybe this is going in the book. Maybe this little will, will appear on, uh, while I'm uh, find myself preaching at a brewery in Atlanta, you know, sure. um, <laughs> uh, or, or maybe it's just sheer curiosity. Like, I don't know. I've always been like a, um, like, uh, like i don't just read the comic book i read the entire wiki page on the on the character's entire backstory you know like i've always liked knowing the whole story and it's Uh, partly that
1: preaching brewery preaching brewery been a very 1980s pastor thing
2: yes (laughs) that actually uh monday night brewery in atlanta where we had that uh they started as a bible study which we didn't even know until after we booked it it was like wow this is perfect (laughs) um But, um, and, and the, the main bartender, he walked up and he was like, Hey, I have a, a Christian apologetics degree. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, dude, this event is so perfect. Um, but I think it's like one part of the curiosity and also like one part, um, uh i am the monster they created in a way like i was taught to memorize stuff i was taught to study stuff i was taught to read books like i was handed stacks and stacks and stacks of books and told to read all this and then you'll be the perfect christian soldier and it's like well okay i'm good at reading stacks of stuff unfortunately i'm reading stacks of stuff now that say you're wrong um and it's also this sense of like christianity is just massive um, and I think so many people, whether you're, uh, whether you're this kind of Baptist or that kind of Baptist, or you're this kind of Catholic or that kind of Catholic, and yes, there are different kinds of Catholic or, you know, whatever, whatever part of the religion that you come from, you are so bubbled off from the rest of it. Um, like if you're a Catholic, you might not know much about the last hundred years of Christianity. Whereas if you're, if you grew up like me, you don't know a darn thing that happened between the year 33 and 1776, right? Um, so, like, going back and seeing that, like, hey, there is this long, long, long thread of Christians who uh, completely devoted to Jesus, who quoted scripture, and who said, like, no, the eternal conscious torment isn't how hell works. Hell is either um, people who aren't on board with whatever the mission might be. They are, bloop, they're just gone. We don't need to torture them. They're just gone. Or there is some sort of a refining light. It's not about Punishing people, it's about uh, purifying and redeeming everyone and you know, everyone ending up with the good ending together, even if you know Hitler is gonna need a whole lot of purifying. Um, but like, and that's just one example um of of like a theology that has been around for so long that when I was a young Christian, I would have been taught like, no, that's that's an absolute heresy, it's not real, you know, it's there's nothing to that, it's just a few wackos um you're misreading c.s lewis and it's like i don't know c.s lewis is pretty clear that you can leave hell um <laughs> but then you know and then like this is a total tangent but then you go back and you find like gregory of Nyssa, who's like one of the um who's like he's sort of like the anti-saint augustine in a way like there's a lot of stuff about christianity where like so much of the Western christianity went the augustine route of like um uh, shame and pain and wars fine sometimes and you know uh the original sin. Whereas Nyssa is about like, no, it's a story of building toward redemption. And he's like attributing all his best stuff to his sister. Uh, and he has this, he, he like wrote the um, world's first, as far as we know, argument for the abolition of slavery, did it from a Christian perspective. Um, but just finding that Christianity is huge and diverse and there is so much, you know, there's room in it for leftism, for Marxism, for, for, for queer theologies, for feminism, for you know, for, for all of this stuff. Um, I guess it just makes you want to keep going.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, speaking of, um, speaking of bending towards good, uh, you know, we are, we are a Georgia podcast that focuses on football. Um, we, we try really hard to be essentially the opposite of, of what, um, we, look, I like to make the joke. My um, Tahoe is fine, but we try to be the opposite of at least not opposite, different than what the typical Georgia fan is. Um, so I think it's not should not be a surprise that we'll want to talk a little ball. Um, so, so your fa- so uh, in, in ten words or less, why is uh, Jim Harbaugh your favorite prophet?
2: <laughs> uh, well, he, he That's said. Awesome. He said, uh, that they would have, they would set the record for NFL draftees and there was much, uh, there was much mockery and now they have like what, 18 guys at the combine. So, <laughs>
1: so I, I, you know, I have been, I've long been a fan and I know Will has too, uh, and our, our podcast co-host, uh, Scott has, uh, has been a fan of the Shutdown Fullcast. I love what y'all do. Um, you know, it's interesting that I, I'm glad y'all talked a little bit about, um, you know, what's the What's the, what sports most like, uh, most, uh, most like religion and why is it college football? Um, I love that part of the discussion. Um, and I think y'all arrived in the same place that I would say. It's just, it's about, you know, we have a specific set of core beliefs and this is what we strongly hold, And, um, we're supposed to hate Florida and we're supposed to hate Tennessee. And, uh, that's because we were taught as young, but there's no real demonstrative reason to do so other than we were taught that. yeah, I'd, I'd just be curious kind of where you see those parallels.
2: So many. Um, I mean, there's one, there's, like you said, the tribalism, which to me is about people who are 99% alike, hyper fixating on the 1% ways they're different. Um, Like, let's keep it real. Georgia and Auburn fans, same people. Easy, um,
0: easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah, they said the same thing about Cardinals and Cubs fans, and that is wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> Georgia fans and Georgia Tech fans, okay, y'all are like 4% different, all right?
2: They're, that's a little more than 1%. We can admit that. Um, ex- Except when you take over their stadiums, right? And then their whole stadium looks red. There you go. It's, See, now we're back on good terms.
1: It's precious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, There's that. There's like uh, college football and religion are literally, inextricably linked back to the beginning in ways that no other American sports are. And not just like, there's a Notre Dame, there's a Liberty, there's a bit, not just that. It's like... The very first college football game, there is uh, a future, I think Dutch Reform Seminarian was one of the captains. There's like a priest on the other team. There's someone on the sideline yelling about, this is too violent. You will come to no Christian end. Like there is a theological debate happening during the first football game. Um, I think there is one of the first seasons uh all the games are canceled. The only thing that happened was one seminary playing football against another seminary. It was like Harvard Yale seminary. So, like literally, there's an entire season of college football that was nothing but seminarians. Um, football, you know, football would have been deleted if not for like Teddy Roosevelt stepping in, in like 1905 and saying, like, no, we need it to make the boys good, strong Christian young men, and very specifically that muscular Christianity was a thing that like Walter Camp and Amos Alonzo Stagg very much believed in like football is the thing that will save these young men's souls. And like it just goes on and on and on to um, to Billy Graham being the superstar of arguably the biggest game in college football history, 1969, Arkansas, Texas. Like it's just endless. I mean, Jason, to be
1: fair, I thought Teddy Roosevelt just meant like to not be so horny.
2: Yeah. well they'll bonk in th- bonk into each other and then they won't be horny anymore like listening sumo guys um <laughs> yeah so, well I, you know i i would
1: be curious also to you know staying in the football realm um I, I mean it's not hard to see why you chose to do a little writing about football um you know you started a long time ago um i guess with what's not the who it was what well, was I don't remember the old SP Nation blog on on the Falcons because mm-hmm. when I lived in Illinois I had them fired because I was like I can't do it right now. Um but you know, did did you did college football find you because of your quest for something like whatever it was, or was it vice versa, or were they totally separate?
0: What's your origin
1: story? Yeah, what's your origin story? I was raised a Georgia Tech fan. Okay, oh cool. Yeah. I, I was I was a little worried
0: it was gonna be castle state so, <laughs> no. so is, is the next book going to be a expose of what it was like to be indoctrinated into that community and how you were able to <laughs> <laughs> i myself. I mean that was really simple and bad at math so that's it it's
2: it's ain't gonna work out you know <laughs> and the
1: prophet the prophet bobby ross spoke yeah
2: um, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: i guess yeah. Been before you're like i don't remember who it was in the oh oh gosh no wonder you are yeah i was thinking about your age in why it was 1990 oh god yeah yeah that, that
2: makes- was like the very first football i saw was like oh it's this is this is how it works forever this is great you know no no <laughs> it was like that and like the deon sanders falcons like this is awesome i love this sport and it's all downhill since then but um <laughs> i mean i don't know getting to college football for me it was just ultimately a regional thing like you know everyone around here loves it um and i was assigned the funniest team you can be a fan of if you're from the state of Georgia. Um, which worked out great for like exactly six months and then uh I bailed on that in like the two thousands. Um along with uh evangelicalism.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it extra there, what you're saying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, yeah. I don't you, know how to link it. Way to go back to, uh...
2: <laughs> I, I'll I'll uh go jackets. Yeah, that's us <laughs> <laughs> look
1: First Baptist Woodstock still waiting.
2: Mm. Oh God, yeah. Like once once uh, my alma mater Kennesaw State got a football team, it was like okay, this is uh, I'm never ever ever going back to uh <laughs> to dealing with that.
0: It has been fun for me as I'm a Midwesterner. The story I always tell about this is, you know, my my wife is from uh, my my I, my wife is from Columbus, Georgia. She went to uh, UGI I met her in New York, and the I always knew, like, you know, she's not I'm like a major sports fan, but I, but I knew that, yeah, you know, she was hung around. I was doing I was literally doing deadspin when I met her, so it was she was around it, and uh, and then I never quite realized until our son was. Uh, I think like four months old, maybe uh, about 11 months old when uh, in the 2012 SEC championship game, when Georgia lost to Alabama at the way, the the, Georgia fans may be vaguely familiar with this Yeah, on the uh, 22nd floor of our apartment building in Brooklyn. And I, and, and she was, you know, we were all tired. We had a newborn. It was exhausting. We're barely hanging in. And all of a sudden uh, watching that game, I thought she was going to throw my desk chair through the window Onto the poor people's street, uh, down the floor, a level of a level of uh, sports anger that me, as someone that obsesses over sports, had never reached. Mm. <laughs> so I realized, okay, so there is something in the water down there, and so moving to Athens. It has been fun, almost like listen. I I'm on a Georgia football podcast. I live like I'm I'm a 15 minute walk from Sanford. Like I'm all I'm right in the middle of it, but I still kind of observe it in sort of a sociological Diane Fossey sort of gorillas in the mist and kind of like oh interesting. Let's see how the males interact with the females. <laughs> and uh, oh, he's picking nits out of her hair. They've got a, they've got uh, all sorts of seltzers out here tonight. So, you know, I see that, uh, uh, but what's curious to me is I, f- I have found since I got here, um, I large part of how lucky is actually about how unifying the tailgate experience can kind of be. I've joked before that like I've, uh, there was a time, uh, the first time around where I was at an, uh, I was at one tailgate across the street from another tailgate. One was an Abrams tailgate and one was a Kemp tailgate and it was fine mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was fine. It was totally fine. And I'm not sure that would be like that now. And I'm and and I'm and I don't I do not i not want to bring this down the politi- the political idea, but more at the idea that like I have found, I think uh, there's a new book out recently that kind of, that, I, that made the argument I think by a, a uh, by Reisman that says uh, uh, everything is pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of feel nice and keep your shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and so and I'm it seems to me that since I've moved here. Uh, and maybe this is moving from Rick to Kirby, and everything becoming more more uh, industrialized and more you know like and there and more championship eyes. So I'm not complaining necessarily, but there is a level of. Um, there was a certain wistfulness in losing, or a wistfulness, obsession in trying to win, and a collective sort of, "we're," uh, you know, we're all just waiting for Saturday. Our na- it's in the name of our podcast. And now I don't know if it's the internet. I don't know if it's tribalism. I don't know if it's intensity. I still love going to the games. I still love this team. I still love talking about it. But there is a level of, um, seriousness and us against them and professionalism now that I didn't see when I first moved here. As someone that covered college basketball for a really long time and has been in the middle of it, have you seen anything like that or am I just a scared Midwesterner?
2: I think a lot of that is what you say, the the transition from Mark Richt who's like, I think I really do think those vibes very much permeated the fan base. Um, And I mean, once you win two titles, then Guess what? You're Alabama now. You don't get to have fun anymore. Uh, All you get to do is uh, gripe about every moment when you're not winning a national title.
0: What's that? I think think that's an old George Carlin line. Someone asked him uh, what cocaine makes you feel like. And he said it makes you feel like doing more cocaine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By the way, by the way, Jason,
1: it's been 13 months. I don't know if you knew. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Seriously.
2: (laughs) Wow. It's time to fire the jokes back up. Hadn't won a title since uh, uh, 2022 or whatever.
0: So you think it, so you, so you have not seen this necessarily uh and i wouldn't say national even sec wise do you think that what i'm seeing might be more of just a specific georgia thing i think it's probably more georgia than um than elsewhere but
2: I, I yeah i mean it is sort of hard to imagine like a 2024 tailgate um a biden tent next to a trump tent and everyone is having a great time together that's pretty hard to picture um so yeah, it's 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 I I do think that sense of communion and it's literally splitting any meal is communion. Um, so yes, tailgate food is communion. Um, <laughs> but that um, I'll say it's both. I'll, I like I, I will say that like the the political polarization is uh, so life or death serious, and for many people it actually is. Um, and also Kirby Smart believes football is life or death serious, and that has permeated Georgia. <laughs> I mean to be
1: honest I I I'm much more chill about shit since uh the last two years. <laughs> um, so I'm fine with that. For now, for now <laughs> uh yeah yeah go yeah let's go two years without it. Um but um, so, Jason, I, I appreciate you taking the time to have us here, uh, to, ha- to join us, not have us here. You're it's right? my show now. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Sure. <laughs> well, yes. Join Jason next Jason week. Jason is
0: the captain now. <laughs> uh,
1: you, yeah, you don't mind, just so I don't have to look up everything and, or try to find you. Can you tell where everybody can find you, including, um, I assume everybody knows the shutdown forecast, but Vacation Bible School
2: and Twitter and whatnot. So Vacation Bible School is a podcast I do with my wife. We're uh, very slowly working our way through the Bible, learning a lot of stuff and having a lot of laughs and uh, uncovering all sorts of traumas. That part's really fun. It's, um, other it, than the trauma part, it's really good. Yeah, so the trauma part's fun, <laughs> in a weird way. Um, uh, I've, so Jason Kirk FYI is what I've tried to make my handle uh, everywhere. That's also my Substacks URL. Um, and the novel Hell's, Hell is a World Without You is available everywhere, as far as I know. If it's not available somewhere, then... Uh, I don't know, bother them and maybe it will be
0: it's i i do want to kind of uh, talk about this very briefly before you go because the book is uh, as i was I, I was very fortunate i was very honored that you asked me to blurb this so i got to read this early and i was very excited to be able to do so it's a wonderful book uh but and i'll say one of the things that's particularly exciting for me uh is um you know i still have my sticker that says niche of course, because this is the this is the <laughs> great joke of this. That one of the things that's fun for me and exciting for me, um, I actually uh, was emailing with my editor at Harper Collins the other day, and and he had uh, I don't know how he came across your book, uh, but he saw my name on it. He misses. He's like, hey, so like, uh, I I don't think he's one of the people that passed on it, so you don't get mad at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but clearly going outside of the traditional publishing things has not only been a success, uh, From me, from my perspective, I would argue it's actually contributed to the sec- success of the book. I would argue that you are actually having more success than you probably would have with this book if you would have gone those traditional routes. And so, congratulations on that, it's been a really fun thing to see, and I can confirm that people in those places have noticed. So good job <laughs> on that. Uh, now, now, if I don't do well, they'll say, well, look what this guy did. Uh, and <laughs> my doesn't go as well because uh, it really is. I have to say, though, it, I, in all seriousness, it's been very exciting to see this book is embraced and find an audience uh, um, Because just because, frankly, because it's good.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for all that. And thank you for um, writing a blurb. Like I told you in Atlanta, you are like, the first um, novelist novelist who uh, who sent me a blurb and I'm like, holy shit, I, you know, I, I, I might actually have something here. So, yeah, I, I will never forget like where I was sitting when it's like the Will Leach blurb arrives. <laughs> um
0: but yeah, if, you know, if uh, anyone's ever said that, so I'll take it. <laughs>
2: if it. If they're, if they're giving you a hard time in trad pub world, just come on down to shut down full books.
0: Come on over. I, I'm just shut down full books right here. I'll come by. I'll see uh, if it, I, I my next book, I only got one book left on this contract. So uh, I will uh, come knocking on you your door. <laughs> I mean, I do ask Will to blur my barbecue. So yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to blurb it with a Biden sticker. <laughs> we'll see how it works. <laughs> um, all right, Jason, thank you for your time. Congratulations. The book is Hell is a World Without You, available everywhere. It is a terrific book that I think will really speak to a lot of people who, uh, who uh, frankly, are listeners to this podcast. So thank you for your time. Good luck with everything, and uh, uh, good luck uh, hanging in until uh, until college football starts again. Thanks, y'all, and go dogs. Oh, oh damn, go dolls. We are cutting that, that uh, I'm I'm sorry, but like that's 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 the new end of the podcast. Yeah, we have a <laughs> That's all it's happening. All right, thanks, Jason, be safe. Uh uh, we appreciate it.
2: Appreciate it, y'all. Thank you.
1: Jason, thanks. I'm oh, sorry, we'll cutting we off the I recording. Gotta find that there.